Okay, we're on the series of advance. If you're taking notes, which I suggest is a good thing to do, we're advancing the gospel through supper. Okay, this is today's message. It's preparing you to understand that this is not just a good idea, but this is a theme throughout the Bible. It's, a, it's something that Jesus operated in. It's something that, if you look, and I'll go to study the history of different suppers in the Bible. But I want to read the scripture out of uh, Matthew 5 and... Um, in the message, it says, Keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, the generous Father in heaven. And I've said this before, we are all mini Christs. Okay? Someone's first interaction of Jesus will be you. Now, the responsibility for me is massive. It means I have to live a life that, that at least is hungry and following after Jesus but also examples who Jesus is, because you are the picture of Christ to the world. And I think, I love that scripture, it says, be generous with your lives, and that's not just with food, with, with your time, but get, it's, it's giving over everything to everything, because people are going to see that you have something different, and they're going to open their hearts to God. Let me just lift this quickly. We're a thriving community expressing Jesus in the city. I love this verse. This is Jesus. Look, just so I'm giving you a bit of a theology behind supper. Okay, is that okay? Not that, as you can see, I'm not the skinniest guy in the world. Um, I enjoy food. I'm never going to stop. Lilani looks at me. She's an exercise person with judging eyes. Um, I will not look that way, and I'm not going to change. I've tried. I've tried. I think I've got an addiction uh, to, to everything uh, that is food. Um, I'm joking. I do exercise. But anyway, Jesus says this, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. I absolutely love that. I love the picture that Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. He's saying, listen, not just, not just this functional Christianity, okay, have you said the sinner's prayer right? Have you done all these religious things right? No, I want to come and share a meal with you. I want to come and share my life with you. I want, to, I, want to, I want to express who I am to you so you can open up your heart and give it over to me. And I think if we understand this as a, as a, as a, as a community, I don't think we've harnessed well enough food. And as we're going to see throughout the Bible, you'll see uh, different food. And I, let me just say this. The motivation for me behind all of this is not so we can hang out together and have a good time because you can go find anyone in the city and do that. You can go to any club, pub, restaurant, and you can just hang out and have fun. It's not bad in itself. I think we have to understand the reason why we're doing supper clubs, and then even to inject this into our community, where it doesn't just stop when I tell you it stops. It carries on as a culture of what we do. Jesus says this. He says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. And I think all of us, including myself more than all of you, and I honestly say that, I, was, we need, I need to wake up. We all need to wake up and see that it's not like, uh, what, he's, what he's saying there is that it's not four months to the harvest. Normally you plant and then four months later you, 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 you reap the, the produce. It's, God is saying right now, he's been saying it for 2,000 years, right now the fields are white unto harvest. And Rom shared the other night at the... At the 
vision nights, just where things are at in the world. And I, I said that a few weeks ago, that there's some crazy stuff going down. We are living in times that, are, that has never, never happened in history before, where it's been so intense. Uh, we, we may even have another world war on our hands at some stage. And I don't want to be a pessimist. I'm just saying, let's just read the signs of the times. And knowing that the harvest, hell is real. I don't want to scare you, but it's in the Bible. Hell, there's been a thing that even in evangelical Christian, inverted commas, circles, that people have been trying to erase hell, erase it. They've been trying to take it away. They've been saying, well, you know, God, surely God's not the, God's good enough, that He's not going to send people. Yes, God is that good, that He sent the only thing that cost Him, Jesus Christ, to stand in our way so we don't have to go to hell. It's, it's a very, very real thing. And we, we are the, the agents of change in the city. Paul says to Timothy, who is a pastor, not a gifted evangelist, he says, go and do the work of an evangelist. And I want to charge every one of us here today. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, and if you haven't, we're going to give an opportunity at the end to do that. You are already commissioned by the Father to go make disciples. You don't need to go through a theological training, although that's good. You don't need someone to come and lay hands on you, although that's good. The only prerequisite for me, what I see in the Bible, is that you're hungry for God, you've, you've filled with the Spirit, and you're now an evangelist. The amazing thing that the word evangelist or evangelism is only mentioned three times in the New Testament. And always, that's quite interesting, because surely that's God's number one priority. And I thought, you know what, the reason it is, because I think God wanted to show, sorry, I didn't actually release the kids. If there is any kids left, there is kids ministry right next door, yeah? Um, the reason that it's only mentioned three times is because we are all called to be evangelists. We are all called to, to express Jesus, to express the love of God, the love of Christ in our everyday work, school, wherever we find ourselves. Just wrote here, and I thought, we have to realize that we are all ordinary people living in some ways fairly ordinary lives, and we're called to, to bring the lasting change of Jesus. Okay. Romans 10.13 says this, Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who believes that? Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will you call on Him if you have not believed? How will they believe in Him who have done, who, uh, whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent, just as it, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Basically, it's saying that us in collaboration with God, people, Jesus does the saving, the Holy Spirit draws into salvation. It's all a God thing. It has very little to do with us. But the part that has to do with us is very important. We are the evangelion. We are the, we are the ones that bring the good news. We are the ones that have good news attached to our feet and in our mouths and in our lives. And we show ourselves as examples of Jesus because it shows us as, as being part of another world. That ultimately we're going to go to heaven and we want to take as many people with us. Okay, so the amazing thing about Jesus is that you have... He, 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 he contextualizes himself 100%. And most of the most profound moments that Jesus had with people is around supper. Let me start one thing. Okay, so we're advancing through supper. 
Let's just look at some themes throughout the Bible. Passover. So it's a symbolism that the Jewish people do every year. It's, it's around the time, and it's, it's basically celebrating when the angel of death passed over the Israelites while the angel of death kill, killed the Egyptians. And uh, it, was a, it was like a, a precursor to Jesus Christ. It was showing that by the blood of the Lamb you get passed over, that your sins are not counted against you, that you now live forever. So there's, and that is a Passover that is even now celebrated today. Obviously into our culture it became, into the Christian culture it became communion, breaking of bread. Psalm 23 says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love this. Just the theme of having a table, having a dinner. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. And I think that's such a good picture for us. Like I was speaking to someone, uh, another pastor in the city, and he says, in many ways, we are behind enemy lines. Even having this church in this venue, we are behind enemy lines. And the amazing thing is that God sets up a meal in the midst of our enemies. And uh, by the way, just thank you so much for Kacha. Can we give her a round of applause for that food? Let me prophesy that you need to go into catering 100%. Um, That brings me on to this. I love this. It says, Revelation um, 19.9, it says, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, I've been to some great parties. I've got a great food memory. I'll remember stuff that I ate at eight years old. It's just the weirdest thing. Like, Stala will be like, oh, we went to that place in Turkey like six years ago. And I'll go, yeah, we ate that place at this restaurant on this street. Tasted like this. It's weird. I don't remember much, but I remember food. Okay? And, uh, and I'm, like, I'm looking forward to that day. First of all, can you imagine the moment? We're gonna, it's going to be the biggest banquet we can ever imagine, the most satisfying thing. But we're going to be with Jesus. We're going to be sitting down at the biggest party in heaven, sitting with the King of Kings. Jesus is a host. I've been to really good dinner parties, as I was saying. I've been to where people have been incredible hosts. But can you imagine in, at, the, at the end of all days, the marriage supper of the Lamb and the Bride, we're coming together and we're celebrating the, the consummation of all ages, the point of absolutely everything. From the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, God had this rescue plan set in place that is one day going to end in heaven with all of us with the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to dine with Jesus and we're going to know who He is. It's an incredible thing and it's an incredible inviting thing. Okay, so first of all, the Word says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So I want to look at Him as an example of how He did supper. Okay, so can you turn your Bibles to Luke 7? 36. Luke seven thirty six. Before we read the scripture, I want to. I mean, I'm super excited that we actually have most of the ACs working, uh, and uh, we are moving forward. And I want to thank Mark Holmes who came a couple of times this week and fixed that thing, even though our contractors messed it up. Mark, save the day. Okay, so that is awesome. So the first point, if you're taking notes out of uh, Luke 7, it's Jesus redeems around supper. Luke seven thirty six. Bless you. 
Okay. One of the Pharisees asked to eat with him. Obviously, he's speaking to Jesus. And he went into the Pharisee's house and he took his place at the table. In other versions, it says he reclined at the table, which means he found a place of rest. He found, he's like saying, listen, I'm here to open my life to you. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, known as a prostitute, when she uh, learned that he was reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house, she bought an alabaster flask of ointment. And, and, um, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair on the head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what sort of woman, uh, sorry, what sort of woman this is who is touching him, and she is a sinner. Isn't that a terrible religious mindset? It's terrible. I hate it. I hate religion, and I hate it when Christians get, they feel that they're somewhere in God, and then they start judging people for, for doing stuff. We have to all realize that we are sinners saved by grace. We are now saints by the grace of God. It has nothing to do with us. But yet, we cannot sit in judgment seat like this Pharisee does. And Jesus answered him said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say, teacher, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. So you've got a large amount and a small amount. Uh, when they could not pay, cancel the debt of both. Now which of them will love more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom the, uh, the, who cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Uh, then turning towards uh, uh, the woman, sorry, towards the woman, he said, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears. And uh, so I'm really struggling to read this. <laughs> and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not, not ceased to kiss my feet. And I love what Jesus does in that moment. He first of all redeems this woman and he says, listen, that, that Jesus came for the worst. He came for us. He came for people who are far from God. And we, I want to be a church that draws people far from God close to Him. If we are representing this well, in our supper clubs, in our homes, and we have people over for dinner, when, when we find ourselves in, in, in communities that are, are unsaved, people who don't know Jesus, are we being like Jesus to them? Are we being this grace-filled person? And the, there's a couple of things out here for me that just gets me excited. First of all, Jesus reclines at the table. He shows that he's at a place of rest. It, and the amazing thing about Jesus, and those of you who have been believers for any sort of time, and you've encountered the living God, when you meet Jesus, truly you meet Jesus, everything changes and it makes you want to pour out your life upon Him. And I, that is my longing in my heart for this church, is that we, men and women, fall, fall in love with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We fall in love with this Jesus who, who, didn't, who went past all the cultural taboos, the religious taboos, and He sat there and He said, Do not, I'm going to hang out with the worst of the worst. Who's heard of Heidi Baker? Incredible woman of God uh, planted uh, with her and her husband, uh, Roland Baker. They've planted thousands of churches. There's a revival that's breaking out in Mozambique through this incredible... And she, she is... Uh, she, it's funny to say, but like you look at her and a lot of, she, she's not looking for this kind of accolade, but she's one of the closest to Jesus people that I see. She goes and... When she, her first people she reached for Christ were the kids that were sitting on the rubbish dump. And for years and years, she would go sit with the kids on the rubbish and reach them for Jesus. Those have now become leaders and raising people from the dead. 
And they're planting thousands of churches across Mozambique. And I, I think there's something of the kingdom of God that is understood there. there there's an exampling of Jesus. And I love that scripture that says, if someone important comes into your meeting, don't give him the place, the best seat. And it says, if someone that is maybe a homeless dude comes in, we should treat everyone the same. That we're all on level playing ground when it comes to Jesus. You find a place of rest, acceptance, a place to view your matters. Sorry, I read that wrong. A place where your view matters. We need to example Jesus in our lives. And I think even on a practical point, those who are leading these supper, supper clubs and those who are having in your home, let's example Jesus to them. Okay, the point is not to just have a life, okay, because that's great. But at the end of the day, we have to understand who we're preaching about, who we're living out, that every single thing inside of us is to show Jesus. I love, again, Jesus uses the illustration of food with the prodigal son coming home prodigal son who was in his father's house. Let's just look at him. He was a believer serving Jesus, uh, in love with Jesus in the father's house, wanders away from God, eventually finds himself in a pigsty, eating the pig's food. Now, in Jewish culture, that was the absolute worst that could ever happen to anyone. Not, not just a lamb's food or uh, whatever, dog's food. It's worse. Pigs in their culture is unkosher, and he was eating this pig food. And then he eventually comes to his senses, he repents, and he comes back. And the father has, has wide open arms. And he puts a signet ring. He puts a coat on him. Speaks of his authority. And, um, and, he, and he, he kills a fattened lamb. And they celebrate together. And I think we need to, in going into the supper club season, understand that we need, to, we need to show Jesus, which ultimately is the grace of God, that no matter what you've done, where you've come from, God loves you. And he wants, he wants you to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Okay, second thing. Can you turn to John 2? John 2 verse 1. It says, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to woman, Imagine I said that to my mom. Woman. Wouldn't go down well. Obviously fine in that culture. Um, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, Do whatever he tells you. Obviously, that's typical moms. Okay, they're going to just listen to their sons. Think what. Now, there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Uh, Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up. And he said to them, Now draw some and take it to the master. So they took it, and the master of the feast tasted the water that had become wine um, and did not know where the wine came from. When Jesus enters into a dinner, when there's food around Jesus, it either multiplies or it changes. And I think we need to realize when, when we bring in people, if, I don't have time to read it, but if you look at the account of feeding the 5,000, he multiplies the food. Here he changes the water into wine. And I think we need to trust that when we have people in our homes and we're, building, and we're injecting and building a culture within City Lights here, that we trust in that God is going to come do the miraculous. And I think you, when, when you're having people in your home, get, be ready, pray up. So maybe you've invited someone who doesn't know Jesus to come into the home. Let's be ready. Just hang out and love them. Don't, don't try to seal the deal that night, okay? Don't be like, have you, have you given your life? To, don't, don't do that, okay? Because that's just ridiculous. And, 
I'm saying show who Jesus is. Because the world is looking not so much for the words, they're looking for, for people of action. They're looking for Christians who actually live out what they believe, live out what they, what they sing about and what they preach. And so often Christians get stuck into a community that becomes so, and you start doing the, all the culture in the community, you start looking like one another, singing like one another, doing everything. And I think God wants to break out diversity in our church. And I think out of this supper club time, we're going to see some many different groups started. I think Bruce, uh, being prophetic, has already started that, that photography group, which for me, we're going to start meeting with groups around interests. You're going to have guys who play squash together. You're going to have the cricket team. You're going to have girls. I don't know. What, what do you do? Scrapbook. Um, netball. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to have a, what's a kettlebell club. Um, we're going to do things where it's, it's around, it's, where, what is it? <laughs> Paintball clubs. We're going to, for me, we, we have to think about church differently. We have to think about doing church differently if we want to reach people who have never known Jesus. And I think if we had to carry on doing the same old, same old, meet on a Friday, meet once during the week, or every, every now and then, we are not going to advance forward as a community. And God has, has put on us, I believe, an anointing to do stuff differently. And, uh, and sometimes I may seem shaky, uh, but that's fine. I think we can all learn to hang on to him. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, Jesus multiplies. Number four, and this is the final point, Jesus satisfies. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Being hungry is a good thing, am I right? It's good. I'm hungry 95% of the time, Okay. If kids aren't hungry, for example, two, three-year-old, four-year-old kid, I remember my, my nephew just didn't eat, and my sister was worried about him, and anyway, ended up eating. He's still alive. It's fine. Okay. But the point is, when, your kids, when, when kids don't want to eat, there's something wrong with their kid. And I think it's the same in the spiritual. When we have lost the hunger for Jesus, lost the hunger for His Word, and lost the hunger to be in community, something is wrong. Something is sick inside of us. It's, and, and I think we, we simply just need to come back to Jesus. It's not, it's not rocket science around that. But we have to realize that Jesus is the one that's satisfied. In Hagar, I can't remember where it was, it says he is the longing of the nations. And I think for too long the church has represented Jesus in, in a bad light. And I'm not saying that we're going to have everything together, but I'm saying can we please do, can we please represent Jesus well? Can we show that he is this graceful, that he's not this warmongering, full of wrath, and he's going to come and burn you? And God is, is, he so loved the world that he sent his son. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. There's, there's, this, there's this Father in heaven who's trying to draw, every, there's, there's a reason why you're sitting out today. Either someone invited you, or you went to an evangelical crusade, or you grew up in church. The point is, so, someone took time to bring you to a local church, whether it was your parents, whether it was uh, a friend, whatever it is. And you need to be now that person and go out from this place and show that Jesus is satisfied. Jesus satisfies. John 6 says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And I think there's a satisfying, there's a satisfaction in our lives. And we're going to go through t- 
tough times, as Stalin was talking about, and we just need to persevere because there's a greater goal. And sometimes God disciplines, disciplines the ones He loves. Sometimes there's tough times. But at the end of the day, what is the thing that fills you? It's Jesus Christ. It satisfies you. It's the bread of life. And I'm going to pray that our lives will leave the world hungering for more. Can we all stand, please?